I asked some of the children to stay in service today, and this is why. The content of our sermon is about sex and uh, the way the culture and what the culture has dealt with it and the way God has designed it. So I'm speaking specifically now to the young ladies and the young men that are here and not just the rest of us uh, because the understanding of sex is not meant for the culture to teach children. God wants to teach the children. It's the Word of God, parents of God, pastors, elders. We teach, not the culture. And when the church is not doing its job, then guess what? Something's going to fill the void. The church, speaking on sexual matters, strengthens, edifies, and emboldens the parents to do their job. That could be very difficult. When you don't have a sort of parameters, how do we teach it? Where do we start? Where do we begin? And I encourage parents, when you've taken up this role, that the authority you have from God as a parent allows you to do this. Okay? You guys are more than welcome to come back in. I will take a moment to address you guys again, because I am speaking on the topic of sex and our culture. And it's important that you learn it from God's perspective. Because understand something. Anybody here 12 and 13? The culture will try to teach you almost as we speak on what is right sexually. And they have it all wrong. So I tell you this as a loving pastor. The culture we live in has it wrong. God has it right. And this is one of the most important topics of your life. Not to be taken lightly. This might be the most important message you've ever heard in your young life. Probably is. And it might be one of the most important messages you'll ever hear in your life. This could be a changing day for you. So I'm going to ask the young to really listen on. How does it apply to you? Maybe it's going to start up questions. You can speak to me. You can speak to Terry. You can speak to mom and dad. Uh, this is an important topic. So uh, let's take a moment and pray and ask God's blessing on today's sermon. Amen. Amen. Father, we ask you to bless today's sermon. This is your words, Father God. This is your book. You created men and women, and you created sex. You created it good. You created it healthy. You created it for men and women, husbands and wives, to enjoy one another as the two flesh become one, Father, and glorify you. Give me understanding and insight as I preach. God, let me be faithful to the text. I ask you to give ears to hear to our young adults. And that's what they are, Father. They're young adults. They're growing up now. I ask you to bless them in Jesus' name. Amen. So let's listen to the book of Proverbs and understand something. This message, a series of messages I'm doing is coming out of a book in the Old Testament that we call Wisdom Literature. Uh, what a great place to find to teach about sex out of wisdom. So I'm going to read Proverbs chapter 7, and then I will make comments on it. Chapter 7, if I can find it, there it is. As we're reading, see how you can identify the culture we live in by the woman 
It's analogous of our culture that we live in. So follow along, and then I'll break it down, and I'll go through all 27 verses. But follow with me, okay? Here's a parent talking to the son and daughter by way of the son. My son, keep my words and treasure up my commandments within you. Keep my commandments and live. Keep my teaching as the apple of your eye. Bind them on your fingers. Write them on the tablet of your heart. Say to wisdom, you're my sister. And call insight your intimate friend. To keep you from the forbidden woman. From the adulteress with her smooth words. For at the window of my house I have looked out through my latest. And I've seen among the simple and I perceived among the youths a young man lacking sense. Passing along the street near her corner... Taken the road to her house. In the twilight, in the evening, at the time of the night and darkness, and behold, a woman meets him, dressed as a prostitute, wildly of heart. She is loud and wayward. Now in the street, now in the market, and at every corner she lies in wait. She seizes him and kisses him, and with bold face she says to him, I had to offer sacrifices, and today I have paid my vows. So now I have come out to meet you and to seek you eagerly. I have found you. I have spread my couch with coverings, colored linens from Egyptian linen. I have perfumed my bed with myrrh, aloes, and cinnamon. Come, let us take our fill of love till the morning. Let us delight ourselves with love. For my husband is not at home. He has gone on a long journey. He has taken a bag of money with him. At full moon he will come home. With much seductive speech, she persuades him with her smooth talk. She compels him. All at once, he follows her. As an ox goes to the slaughter, till an arrow pierces its liver, and a bird rushes into a snare, he does not know that it will cost him his life. And now, all sons, listen to me, and be attentive to my words of my mouth. Let your heart turn aside to her ways. Do not stray into her paths. For many a victim she has laid low. And all her slain are a mighty throng. Her house is the way of soul, going down to the chamber of death. Let's pray. Father, bless this sermon. Father, give me the insight. Give me the love. Give me the compassion. Give me the tenderness and the sensitivity to speak on this issue, God. And open up all our ears to see the dangerous culture we truly live in. In Jesus' name, amen. amen. I'm going to continue to speak on sexual purity. I'm going to also repeat last week's introduction uh, to this series. It's worth repeating and listening to more than once. So I ask everybody to listen to the int- introduction. We live in a society that has no sexual boundaries at all. Society has thrown off all moral restraints labeling them antiquated, repressive, or religious. Moral restraint in this culture has no value to it. It stops the person from experiencing what the culture says is freedom of expression. To be the true self, these are the kind of catchwords the culture uses. Nothing's taboo. We truly live in a moral wilderness. Society we live in has gone sex crazy. Sex is an idol that men and women worship today. As the all in all to personal happiness is in fulfillment is found in sexual pleasure. Money, time, resources are all spent on it. 
But the desires are never satisfied. Listen to the Apostle Paul in Ephesians chapter 4. He says this. Now this I say and testify in the Lord, that you must no longer walk as the Gentiles do in the futility of their minds. They are darkened in their understanding, alienated from the life of God because of the ignorance that is in them due to the hardness of heart. They have become callous and have given themselves up to sensuality, greedy to practice every kind of impurity. Listen to verse 20. But that is not the way you learn Christ. That's the church. That's our job. We teach Christ. We teach what's sexually right in the eyes of God. We point to the failures of the culture and we tell we don't live that way anymore. That is beyond us now. We live different as Christians. We live for God. This kind of sexual sin ruins the individual first. Then it ruins the family. Then it ruins the community. Then it ruins the society we live in. And hence... That's why the world's a mess. But society just cannot bring itself to condemning it or exposing it. The statistics are never mentioned. The pain of adolescents having sex is never mentioned. A 13-year-old or a 14-year-old can go to school, have sex, become pregnant, and have an abortion, and not have to tell the parents. The school steps in as the guardian of the child and demands that you do not have to tell mommy and daddy, we'll take care of you. For the children out of here, you're going into high school, keep your ears open. Be careful. And you tell your friends, I know a better way. God has a better way for us. Sexually transmitted diseases, abortion, divorce, family breakups, the emotional and psychological pain to young teenagers, besides teenage pregnancy, teenage depression, teenage suicide. Much of this can be traced to the empty sexual encounters that they experienced. And I highlight the word empty. Children, it's empty outside of marriage. God has destined young men and young women to fall in love and get married one day and have children and honor God. And that's where all your sexual power is for. God created you to be married and raise a family. He loves you. Because once a person or a society has removed any moral absolutes out of the equation, something has to fill the void. And it has by default adopted an anything goes policy. And you better be on board, or the world we live in is going to label you a bigot, a hate monger, religious. You would think a $20 billion porn industry is the major culprit in all this, but it's only part of the problem. The music we could listen to, Hollywood, TV, commercial advertisements, all using graphic sexual content to sell their products. Even cartoons today. You can't watch a cartoon that's made for six and eight-year-olds without some kind of sexual content. It's a hostile takeover of the children's mind. The endorsement of homosexuality, lesbianism, 
fornication, adultery, one-night stands, teenage sex, by primetime media. Scandal after scandal in politics, in the schools, in business world, the military institution, even in churches, all go to endorse this very, very low view of sex. And it desensitizes our hearts and our culture to the wrong and to the pain. And as I said, the blatant undermining of parental guardianship by the school system in all areas of child's education, welfare, and moral upbringing. And if we as Christians are going to preserve our personal testimonies of sexual purity and honoring God in this moral wilderness and encourage honors to honor God and escape from the pit of corruption, then we have to be proactive. Since silence is deadly on this issue, we need not to just warn others, but educate them of the beauty of sexual intercourse. Pastors that just tell people it's wrong, don't do it, are missing it. I don't spend too much time on the negative. I want to spend time on how positive, how it enriches marriage. It enriches the husband and wife dynamic. The way God wants it. The thought of honoring God in sexual ways is a beautiful thing for a husband and wife. Beautiful. When God's on your side in the, in, the, in, in, the, in the covenant of marriage, sex is a beautiful thing. Not dirty at all. I'll be speaking out of the book of, uh, of uh, Song of Solomon. It will show us just a high view of sexual relation that God has for a, a husband and a wife. How we honor each other in a life commitment of fidelity and trust. Which sex is just an expression of love. That's all it is. It builds relationship. It builds trust. It builds oneness. It's a special way of saying I love you. It has its own language. Love has its own language. Sex has its own language. It teaches a husband and wife how much they care for each other. And they need one another. We teach in the church the beauty of virginity. The power of celibacy. To our children. And that the fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. Many Christian parents have all but given up thinking, what can I do? These Proverbs teach us parents part of the answer to illicit sexual behavior in our culture. It's the Word of God. The Word of God imparts the power and wisdom of God in these matters. To be successful in life, one needs a game plan, one needs a goal. It's not Russian roulette. Self-control is taught, it's not stumbled upon. Either parents or the churches are going to teach it or the culture will. Do I hear amen? Amen. Tonight we're going to pull back the veil and look on society around us through the woman in Proverbs chapter 7. We will see that many of the characteristics that define her also define the culture we live in. And I'll speak some observations and applications as we go along. Proverbs was to help the young acquire. Please hear this. Proverbs was written to help the young acquire the mental skills needed to live a moral and upright life and develop character. And I want the young to hear. Please hear me good. For you 12 and 13 year olds, I'm glad you're here. I'm glad you're giving me your uh, attentiveness. But please hear me on this. 
Character is more important than image. Image is something that looks cool. But it's weak on the inside. Anybody can have image. But not everybody can have character. Character is a fortitude and a strength to help other people and to say no to temptation. Temptation and the sin it leads to will ruin us. Sexual sin can ruin your life. God's wisdom helps us to honor God and preserve our life. Let's go to our text and I'm going to explain a couple of things. The first five verses, which we'll go over again, are the parental appeal to sexual scrutiny. Verses 6 to 23 give an example through the narration of a young man who lacks sense in sexual matters. His folly is to follow and his, his sure destruction at the end are clearly documented. Children, please hear me. Young men, young adults, do not be a follower in this culture. Be a leader. Don't follow. Follow God and only God. Verses 24 to 27 is a final appeal with objective evidence. Let's read verses 1 to 5, Jackie. My son, keep my words and treasure up my commandments with you. Keep my commandments and live. Keep my teaching as the apple of your eye. Bind them on your fingers. Write them on the tablet of your heart. Say to wisdom, you are my sister. And call insight your intimate friend to keep you from the forbidden woman, from the adulteress with her smooth words. As in the chapters before, we see the parents' genuine concern for the sexual future of their child. That they would enjoy a fulfilling married life. Against them stands the law of illicit sex, illicit sex, personified in the forbidden woman and the adulteress. The parent's leverage is not a threat. It's the truth. Found in the father's commandments. The commandments are to talk with them when they sit in their house. And when you walk by the way, you will lie down. And when you rise, parents are called to consistently talk to their children on sexual matters. Again, parents are called to train their children in sexual matters. The church comes to help and to guide parents and children. But specifically, it's Christian moms and Christian dads. And please understand something. Godly living is modeled. The parents are saying, you've you've seen the way we've lived. Parents have to draw upon the positive and the negative in their own life to teach a child. This wasn't just advice. He's called to write them on his heart and on the fingers. And that was to show that this is a life and death situation. Sex is not to be taken lightly. Children, you live in a society that takes sex lightly. And I ask our young men and women today, do you see the pressure of sex all around you? Run away. Have nothing to do with it. Have fun. You're young and innocent. Enjoy life. Enjoy God. Enjoy mommy and daddy. 
Wait for God to bring you a loving husband and a loving wife to enjoy sex and enjoy a family and to enjoy a fulfilled life. Sex kills if it's done the wrong way. Kills, destroys. This is a life and death situation. Let me give an example. I've used this analogy. I want everybody here to listen to the analogy. Something I had a, a I saw one day. I had a long weekend with friends. I went to one friend's house and they lived by the ocean. They had three children. All the children were all under 11 years old. And then I went to someone else's house. They lived on a lake and uh, they had three children all under 11, 12 years old. And I went to someone's house. They had three children, had a big pool, deep pool in the back. They were all under 12 years old. And they all had something in common. All the children could swim. To live by an ocean, to live by a lake, and to have a deep pool, and children don't know how to swim? You tell me, the prescription is dangerous. Parents take it upon themselves to have that. If you're going to have the beach house, you're going to have the lake house, you're going to have the pool, you teach the children to swim. So you can enjoy the water. That's how it is with sex. We teach children at the proper time, sex is a wonderful thing between a man and a woman, between a husband and a wife. If you don't, it's going to be very dangerous. It needs to be taught. I will be using that living analogy throughout the sermon. All parents owe this to their children's protection, spending quality time with them, teaching them morality. If parents and guardians won't do it, the culture has no problem sweeping up the kids. He goes on to say here in verse 4 and 5, Say to wisdom, you are my sister. And say to understanding, you're an intimate friend. These are, re- these are metaphors for relationships. All believers are to have with the Bible. Say to godly wisdom, you're my sister. Say to the book of Proverbs, you're my intimate friend. Say to Proverbs chapter 7, I can't live without you. Be part of my life, book of Proverbs. Every pastor, every parent, every teacher should wake up and say, Be part of my life, word of God. Be my intimate friend that I can't live without. I lean on you as my intimate friend to give me counsel and guidance in this dark world we live in. God's wisdom is not abstract concepts, but highly practical for preparing both men, women, and children to live in this real world with real problems. Wisdom deals with pleasing God in the details of one's life. Skilled and godly living. Parents need to point out all the threats around their children. Here personified as a forbidden woman. It takes time. Parents, it takes time, but it takes something more than time. It takes love. Love your children so much that you're going to have the awkward conversations in a loving way. Love your children so much that the last thing they want to do is to disobey and hurt mommy and daddy. When it comes from mommy and daddy, it's not a sermon and it's not a lecture. It's a loving relationship between parents and children. 
I just, for the love of me, I don't know why. I mean, this is why the culture has really gone bad, because parents are not training their children. They're not. Grown up as a Catholic, I want to know, years ago, they did the best they can. They taught us. They did the best they can. They taught morality. In this church, we're going to teach you morality, because God loves you, that's why. Listen to verses 20. Verses 6 to 23 starts as a narrative. Listen, as someone who doesn't hide God's wisdom in their heart. This is what happens. This is a trajectory. When a young man and a young woman does not hide God's wisdom in their heart, when they have not put God first, they're called something. They're called simply a man or a woman lacking sense. From a window perspective, that's the power of observation, it's a narration. The father gives a detailed analysis of this folly in motion. Listen to verse 6 and 7. For at the window of my house, I have looked out through the latest, and I have seen among the simple, I have perceived among the youths, a young man lacking sense. The simple, I should say here, are not simply innocent. In Proverbs, these are those who have rejected wisdom. The simple in the the eyes of God are those who hear God's words and reject any sound teaching on morality. They know it all. They don't need God. They don't need their mom and dad. They're just going to listen to the kids in the schoolyard. They're going to listen to the kids in the school. They're going to listen to the kids in the playground. They're going to reject. Children, don't reject what you hear come out of the word of God. Don't fall prey to being a young man or a young woman lacking sense. This young man was lacking sense. Eventually, lacking sense shows itself in actions. And we're going to see this right now. Parents need to know who children are hanging out with. Listen to verse 7. I have seen among the simple, I have perceived among the youths, a man who lacks sense. We need to know the character of the children our kids are hanging out with. Parents need to investigate their children. They need to know. Listen to verse Proverbs 12, 20. Whoever walks with the wise becomes wise, but the companion of fools will suffer harm. Is that 12, 20, Jack? That's a pretty good verse. Either me or God's got it wrong, so I don't know what's going on. But that's a good one too. So we'll, have, we'll save that. We'll have a nice joke over here. Listen to verse 8. Proverbs ver, uh, verse 8 over here. 7, 8. Passing along the street near her corner, taking the road to her house. Listen to the young man. There's a trajectory here. He's not hanging out on the street corner anymore. Now he's passing along the streets. He's near her corner. He's taking the road to her house. From foolish time with foolish friends, he's now going to foolish places. This is the trajectory. This young man is starting to show he lacks sense. 
Where we spend time is just as important as who we spend it with. There are places where sexual sin is more rampant and where believers could be more tempted. Chapter 7 speaks with, doesn't speak about the sin as much as about the temptation. We're talking about sexual temptation. Parents need to know just who and where their child is at all times. All Christians need to be aware of the surroundings at all times. Verse 9, listen to verse 9. In the twilight, in the evening, at the time of night and darkness. This is wonderful. Listen, under the cover of darkness, in secrecy, this young man finds a sense of false security. What he doesn't know is his sin will soon find him out. Verse 10, and behold, the woman meets him, dressed as a prostitute, wily of heart. Listen, in this chance encounter of a sexual kind, out of nowhere, a woman comes. No, no. This young person is where young people should not be. Foolish friends, plus foolish time, plus foolish places, all done in secrecy, meaning no accountability, equals trouble. The trajectory is clear. Young men and women always speak to mom and dad who you're hanging out with. When mom and dad are always asking where you're going, who you're hanging out with, they're not nagging you. It's an exercise of their love for you. Not to think wise is to by default think foolish. And it puts us in harm's way. She's dressed like a prostitute. Listen to the culture we live in, all right? Dressed as a prostitute, she comes out to meet him. That's like the culture. Modesty used to be a virtue. I cannot go anywhere and not be assaulted. When you're working, you want to please God, you want to live God, you have to learn to make a covenant with your eyes. You've got to be strong on the inside. Modesty used to be a virtue. Never underestimate the power to be seduced by the culture. Men and women got to be careful of it. It comes out of nowhere. You got to be on your guard. This woman dressed as a prostitute came out of nowhere. That's the culture we live in. I had no idea. How did it happen? We live in a society where seduction is in your face all the time. And over a prolonged period of time, it can weigh you down. Trajectory of this kind that we see in Proverbs 7 can take many, many years to wear down someone. I see it in the gym all the time. Seduction is everywhere. You have to learn how to swim morally in this world. You have to know when something's going on around you. The word of God sharpens our awareness to our own weaknesses and to the seduction around us. That's what the word of God does. Listen to verse 7, 11. This woman, she is loud and wayward. Her feet do not stay at home. As our culture, like this boisterous and rebellious woman, does not care about social conservative norms anymore. Nothing is sacred. It is blatant, in-your-face arrogance. The culture does not care about the consequences, fearless sexual desire with no concern about the future. 
now in the street, now in the market, and at every corner she lies in wait. Our culture, like this woman, has broadened its restricted areas. Now it's anywhere at any time. It used to be just in the darkness. You can't go anywhere. Where sexual seduction is not knocking on the door. Verse 13, she seizes him and kisses him. And with bold face she says to him, bold. You know what the word means? Defiance. Blatant defiance. To go against all cultural norms. Blatant. I don't care if you're religious. I don't care if you're a Christian. I don't care if you believe in the Bible. I don't care if your mom and dad teach against. I don't care. That's the culture we live in. We live in a culture that just does not care. This is muscle flexing. This is cultural conformity. You know why I love being a Christian? So many different reasons. Not just about being saved. Listen, I love being different. I hate being like... First of all, I hate who I used to be. And who I used to be, you used to be like everybody else. I don't want that. I want to stand out as different. I want to be different. I want everything about me to say different different. I could be in the gym and I could see three heads go like this. I don't have to look to feel what's going on. I know exactly what's going on. Someone just walked by and everybody's like, like, a, like an ox led to the slaughter. Has to follow. In this culture, everything's permissible. There's no taboos. Like the woman in our story, the culture is sexually aggressive and shameless. Am I right or wrong? There is no regard at all for the sacredness of sex. As a pastor, as parents, we have to teach the children to swim. Listen to verse 14. It's very telling. I had to offer my sacrifices, and today I have paid my vows. What does that mean to you? Let me tell you, this gets worse. Like this woman, our culture disguises its hidden agenda behind religious pretense. Sexual sin is rampant in the church. The dirtiest of all tricks. The shameless culture has made it into the church. You know, this woman, I, in last week's uh, introduction, I spoke about in chapter 2, verse 16, all the way through basically chapter 7. It's speaking about illicit sexual matters. They speak about it as the forbidden woman, the woman of another man, the, adul- the adulteress. Out of all the chapters, this is the only time she speaks. That's very telling. For three and a half chapters, the Bible's telling us about this. But she only says one thing. And it's within a religious context. It's a telling scenario to all generation of true believers. This is ominous. I remember me and Terry as young believers. 
we got right into ministry, we got right into youth ministry, it was a big church, and and then you're hearing about this, and I thought everybody was pure. I thought everybody was living right. I'm like, I'm just so happy to be a Christian, and I couldn't wait to get to church and be around other Christians, and I got a girl hitting on me over here, and another girl hitting on me, and someone hitting on my wife. I'm going, what happened tonight? What happened? Terry's like, did you see that? I was like, yeah, I thought she was just being nice. She goes, she wasn't being nice. She was all over you. I was like, I didn't know. She's a Christian. Praise God, we learn, but not the hard way. Listen to verse 15. After her words. So now I have come out to meet you, to seek you eagerly. And I have found you. Listen to sin. Listen to the culture. Flattery is the next nail in the coffin. As pride goes before the fall, flattery, flirtation precedes adultery and many fornications. Flattery in one hand, praise God in the other hand. We live in a flirtatious culture, sexual innuendos and double entendres. Flirting is out. Flirting is never innocent. Do not try to affirm your inner person by flirtation. It's out. Be careful of being overly acknowledged by anyone, especially the women and men. Be careful. It's a slow enemy, but it's a quick death. And how do we handle if someone might be attractive to us? How do we handle that? How does a married man or a married woman handle someone maybe being attracted to them? How about a married man and married woman attracted to somebody in the office? A Christian man, a woman, a Christian man, all of a sudden someone comes in it's, and all of a sudden we have to be careful. And we have to have confidants. My confidant is my wife. I tell her everything. But we got to speak about these things. Let me tell you something. Don't leave these things hidden. They've taken out better men and women than me and you. Listen to verses 16, 17, and 18. I have spread my couch with coverings, colored linens from Egyptian linen. I have perfumed my bed with myrrh, aloes, and cinnamon. Come, let us have our fill of love to the morning. I love that. Let us delight ourselves with love. Now this young man with his ego stroked, she comes with a full force of titillation. She now arouses his senses with the prospect of sexual pleasure. If this is not a picture of the media, of the culture we live in, nothing is. Everything has to have the promise of sexual reward. You want to sell something? Throw out some kind of sexual reward. People will buy it. This is a culture that uses sexual enticements to sell itself. Now, there's only one more component left. Verse 19 and 20. For my husband is not home. He has gone on a long journey. He took a bag of money with him. At full moon, he will come home. The thought of not getting caught. Very enticing. That's it. It's just too much for this young man who lacks sense. He wandered into the night. 
His ego is stroked. He's intoxicated with the promise of sexual pleasure. He can't bear it any longer. It's just too much to handle. Verse 21 is very telling. With much seductive speech, she persuades him. With her smooth talk, she compels him. The father begins to sum up her ways. Speech. It actually means instruction, learning, doctrine, the gift of persuasion. That's the media. It's the culture we live in. It's propaganda. This woman is gifted with the gift of speech. That's our culture. It's an indoctrination to immorality. Verse 22 and 23. All at once he follows her. As an ox goes to the slaughter, as a stag is caught fast, till an arrow pierces its liver, as a bird rushes into a trap, he does not know it's going to cost him his life. With graphic illustration, the Father shows us it's too late scenario. The trap is sprung, and he doesn't know it. And now only death is next. Listen to James chapter 1, verses 14 and verse 15. But each person is tempted when he is lured and enticed by his own desire. Then desire, when it has conceived, gives birth to sin. And when sin, when it is fully grown, brings forth death. This, in Proverbs 7, is a classic example. Verses 24 to 27. And now, O sons, listen to me and be attentive to the words of my mouth. Let not your heart turn aside to her ways. Do not strain her to our paths. For many a victim has, she has led low. And all her slain are a mighty throng. Her house is the way to Shoal, that's hell, going down to the chambers of death. Now the father broadens his appeal to others who may be listening. To be careful. What he is saying is this. The whole fight is in the heart. He who wins the heart wins the war. He appeals to the heart, for that is the heart of the problem. Parents, are you with me? Teach your children about original sin. Teach your children is something broken within all human beings. And that our heart has to be taught properly how to please God. The question is this, does lady wisdom or lady folly own the heart? Is there a real fear of the Lord in a child's heart? The father's son is left to make that decision for himself. Every child is. Please listen to me, children. Make that decision for God. Make a decision today that you're going to stay pure for God and for your parents. For this war has been fought among the centuries in believers' lives. He closes with all the objective evidence history holds out. Every generation has its sexual fatalities, as we have already observed. Politicians, sports heroes, pastors, kings, princes, parents, you name it. 
many of those who wandered down this road into the night never to return. Sin doesn't pay. Solomon's surgically insightful expose of this man's folly we just read. I want to ask you a couple of questions and close. Young men and young ladies, if you can listen. What kind of boundaries do you have? What kind of boundaries do we have in our life? So that we don't go down this road. So we're not seduced away from God. We're not seduced away from our wives. We're not seduced away from our husbands. We're not seduced from mom and dad. Young ladies and young men, you belong to your parents. Don't give yourself to a young man. Don't give yourself to a young lady. You belong to your parents. Enjoy your parents. Love your parents. Learn what love really is. Learn that genuine love always perceives marriage. And marriage always perceives sex. Love first. Marriage second. Sex third. Can you say it with me? Love first. Marriage second. Sex third. You know what's interesting about this as a pastor? Let me apply it to myself first. You know who wrote this? King Solomon. If you're familiar with Solomon's writings, he's one wise cat. He really is. But he's the worst offender at the very thing I just spoke on. The greatest sexual failure in the Bible was the man who wrote this expose on the foolish one. Surely he was, had his own self in mind when he wrote this. But it still doesn't negate the truth that it holds out. I've learned from my folly. I wish I could tell you I stand here as a man that never fell into sexual sin. But I can't say that. But I know the grace of God. I know what it is to be washed, to be cleansed, to be given a second chance. To never turn back again. To keep my eyes faced on Christ. And to enjoy my wife and my wife only. And purely that. And vice versa. And we move forward. We get further and further away from the culture we live in. Solomon, though he was the worst offender, was bright enough at the end to at least put down what the genuine truth is. So as a pastor, I learned this lesson. If Solomon can fall, so can I. If Solomon was this wayward child, I could also be. And so could you. And there's not a man or woman in here that cannot be tempted and seduced away from God to think. And how many times as a Christian pastor I have heard this word? They're a Christian. That's what a woman said. I, I paid my vows to the Lord. I, I'm a believer. And the next thing they're in bed. No, 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 no. Christianity is not the only qualification. How close do they walk to the Lord? Don't settle for anything less. How close do they walk with the Lord? Young men and young ladies, I'm glad you listened to me today. It might be the first teaching you ever heard this, but I pray it stay with you the rest of your life and protect you. And that you can grow strong and have a husband one day and a wife one day and a wonderful family one day and not succumb to the pain of sexual sin.
I'm going to ask everybody with their eyes closed. Please, young men and women, close your eyes. Honor God. Specifically, if you are 12 or 13 years old, have you asked Jesus to come into your life? Do you know what it means for Jesus to come and save you? It means you go to heaven and not hell. Christ came to save us. Christ came to give us a good life and a right life. And I'm speaking to the young ones. Have you ever asked Jesus to come in and forgive you? Ask him now. Pray this prayer with me. Lord Jesus, I ask you to come into my life. Forgive me of all my sins. Be my Lord and be my Savior today. Let me live the right life I heard about today. Let me live for you the rest of my life. In Jesus' name. And for the rest of us, for the parents and everybody else in this room, please spend some time in the Word of God. I can direct where you need to read, who you need to listen to, the books you need to read. So you're emboldened. and You have a working knowledge of what genuine sexual relationships are and how to speak to your children. And for the rest of us, I leave a solemn, solemn warning. There's no temptation that has overtaken you that's not common to all men and women. But God is faithful. And he'll provide a means of escape. Stay close to the Lord. If you're close to the Lord, temptation can't come near you. Father, we thank you for today. We thank you for your word. I thank you for these young men and women that stayed around to to hear this word of life today and for the parents to hear this word of life, Father God. I thank you for the scriptures. I thank you for teaching us what genuine, sacred, sexual encounter is between a man and a woman and only a man and a woman, Father God, not between two women, not between two men, and not just between a man and a woman, but only between a husband and wife. It's the only thing you smile upon. In sex, God, is sex between a husband and a wife. Everything outside of a husband and wife is sinful and will lead to death. Bless the children and bless this congregation in Jesus' name.